Lou Gehrig, in addition to being the namesake of an unfortunate disease um, that took him way too early, is, uh, sorry, there's a really big bird. I'm distracted. Um, <laughs> sorry. Squirrel, bird. <laughs> it, I think actually it is a squirrel. Yeah, it's a squirrel. Anyway, <laughs> Lou Gehrig, for those of you that don't know, um, hold, hold he on, played over. Hold, hold, oh, hold go on, ahead. Hold, hold. Listeners, if you're there, thank you for sticking with us. I, oh, I'm appreciate... going to cut this out. I don't want to squirrel my way out of this one. I am your host, Jason Lafferty. I'm your host, Dylan Dentremont. We are two dudes who review books. Um, so we're supposed to be bantering, or I think right now, if we're gonna start, is we're it, supposed to be bantering. Is it is it we we didn't start yet? Is oh, this wow. the pre-banter banter? Is this, well, yeah, we we did our we did our, our planning. <laughs> okay. So were we supposed to banter before planning? I don't think so. Okay. No, no. Everybody knows this. You don't banter before planning. Come on. Haven't you ever been to a corporate board meeting? <laughs> One or two. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, happy new year. Happy new year. Yeah. Happy, Finally happy, making happy... the transition. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Welcome to 2023 where mm-hmm. COVID is over. Um, it, it, question mark. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> I heard it. Around. Yeah. 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 Um, how was your new year? Did you did you rage hard? This well, this um, episode will also come out like like well into the new year, by the way. I mean, that's life. Um yeah. did I rage hard? Um is is toasting at nine o'clock and then going to bed? Is that raging hard? Hey, that sounds like mine. Uh with <laughs> fondue, martinis, uh, mm-hmm. asleep by 10 30. There you go. Yep, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. You are you ready to talk book? There's a lot to talk about here. There's a lot here. Yeah. There's a lot in every Ryan Holiday book to kind of yeah. unpack. And uh, Discipline is Destiny is no different. There's definitely yeah. a lot going on here. I'm excited to get into it. So, okay. So I start reading the book and I knew Courage is Calling was out before this book because he has mm. he has so many books. I looked right. it up and he, he has like, I think he has like 45 books or something like that. He's been busy. Yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. but Courage is Calling is part of the Virtue series that he's doing. So Discipline is Destiny is his latest book out in that series. And then mm-hmm. Courage is Calling is before. Did you read Courage is Calling? I did not read Courage is Calling. Kind of like you, I came to this, uh, the Four Virtues series, just a little late but i did get discipline is destiny right on opening release with a a signed copy which more of which are probably still available in his store um so yeah, yeah. uh I, I, that's a, a note to myself another book to add to my ryan <laughs> holiday shelf um <laughs> is uh, courage is calling to get myself caught up but they shelf, certainly... shelf's the right word though oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> They, to be fair, though, they don't need to be read in order. 
And much like the four Stoic virtues, right? Courage, temperance, justice, and wisdom, they, they stand so, alone. And so we're, we should expect two more books. Yeah. They all absolutely. stand alone. Yes. But we should expect two more books on undisclosed states, but we should expect two more books. So yeah, it's not I, like the Harry Potter series. You, you can read them in any order. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. So this isn't the first time we've we've talked uh, about Ryan Holiday. So no, season definitely one, not. Which season one was not as structured. We kind of just ad hoc what books we were going to read, mm-hmm. and we threw in two books. Um, so in episode seven, uh, we did the obstacles the way, mm-hmm. and then you actually he has it's a series of books, and yes. you had read stillness is the key which is episode 10 and you had recommended hey we we go and we do that that book absolutely um, and I, yeah i think the the third book in that series is ego is ego is the enemy well, ego is the enemy yeah absolutely ego, and it's it yes ego is the enemy yeah and if somebody were looking to kind of get into uh if somebody were looking to get into stoic philosophy that that kind of three book set is is a great uh, breakdown in general with tons of examples and they're very um they're very easy to read in fact without getting too into it i think that series those three uh each of those books ego is the enemy stillness is key etc were easier to read than discipline is destiny um and we can oh, talk yeah. about that a little bit later on. I, I look, I think that they're all fantastic literature, but um, I think that those three are a little bit easier to read, a little more accessible, a little shorter, um, a little bit better of a balance, I think, between kind of um, uh, storytelling and kind of breakdown of what that means for stoic yeah. philosophy. And that's not to, to bag at all on Discipline is Destiny. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> Well, and I'll, I'll say that if you're looking to get into, and you, you kind of said this, but if you're looking to get into Stoic philosophy, right, you can always read Marcus Aurelius' Meditations. Right? Yes. And, mm-hmm. But that's just, that's just excerpts from his, his journal, like this journal highlights, right? Yeah. Where, where in, in this other series, I don't even know what the other series is called, but you have it. Are you going to look? You're going to look. No, I was turning something off. <laughs> Sorry. I have it. I'm a, I'm a it doesn't it doesn't have a it's not the virtue series. It just says Ryan Holiday on it. It is it is box of three books series. <laughs> box of three book series. But if you're if you're looking to get into it, I, I really if you buy that that series, mm-hmm. those three, it you read it, I think you're going to be hooked because he makes all this stuff really approachable. Yeah. Right. I mean, and if, you, if you're, if you want even smaller bites, uh, Daily Stoic, the book, The Daily Stoic uh, yeah. is fantastic for small bites of Stoic philosophy. Um, 366 different Stoic quotes um, and kind of a, a breakdown a narrative breakdown of what each of them sort of means yeah. for us here in the modern age. Um, I have that. I read it almost every morning when I'm staying on top of things. Um, <laughs> he also does uh, 
you know, email newsletters and all that stuff. And that content is free. So like, if you wanted the benefit of that, you could absolutely head over to Ryan Holiday's yeah. uh, website and take advantage of that. Cause that's a lot of the stuff that's covered in his daily emails is stuff that's covered in yeah. the daily stoic book itself. Yeah. Or if you have the privilege to live near his bookstore, you can go to his bookstore. He has a bookstore. He does have a bookstore. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't know what it's porch. called, so I'm not going to give him credit for what it's called, but bookie McBookstore. <laughs> it's yeah. uh, it's the painted porch. Um, oh, that's right. That and it has, right. I don't remember if that's the name of his bookstore or if he put it into Latin, but yes, yeah. it's, it's not here where we're broadcasting, <laughs> broadcasting. well let's let's get into this book let's break it down because there's sure. a lot there's a lot to cover and we're not gonna we got to be honest with ourselves we're we we went through and kind of selected what we wanted to talk about yes we're we're not going to cover it all so this uh, is a tip of the iceberg kind of situation oh, here yeah. yeah yeah so what why don't you break down what the three sections and what they what they kind of cover Sure. So in Discipline is Destiny by uh, it's the power of self-control by Ryan Holiday. It's broken down into many, 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 many chapters, but it's uh, overall broken down into three different sections. So part one is the exterior, right? Or the body. It teaches us how this concept applies to our bodies. Section two, part two is called the inner domain or your temperament. Um, and then section three is called the magisterial or the soul. And so what we did is we kind of broke down sort of our biggest takeaways slash favorite parts uh, from each of the sections to kind of talk about each of the sections. But of course, there is way more in each section and even each part or each section has multiple chapters where they break these down even further. With that said, each kind of chapter is not that long, sometimes only a few pages, certainly never more than 10 pages, I would imagine. So yeah. all of them are pretty uh, digestible in and of themselves. But overall, yeah. broken down into three parts, body, temperament, soul. And really, the, the way I ended up going through and reading the book is I read it in those bite-sized parts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like I would read that those bite like those 10 pages or whatever and then i would digest and i may yeah. come back to it in the same day but i would stop after that section and kind of mm -hmm. digest on what he talked about so and and i think that's a good way to do it because i think you know similar to the meditations that ryan holiday puts forth in the daily stoic i think each of these sections would absolutely give you enough kind of for consideration for a skill that you could work on or for an individual that you could try to emulate um, for a day or a week or a month or yeah. a lifetime. Right. So there's definitely a, enough a in lifetime. there. A lifetime. Yeah, yeah definitely. So, so I got a story about section one. Okay. Right? And mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's kind of the, it's the theme. Well, it's the person theme in section one. Uh-huh. Okay. Which is Lou Gehrig right lou gehrig yes yeah so i'm reading section one i am not a baseball follower right? okay all right i it's not it's not my sport uh i, I don't want to get into it too much because i don't want to upset people but it's not my sport we'll leave, it, <laughs> we'll leave it at that and there's a lot about lou gehrig and a lot that you learn you're like oh wow like you know 
he it's hot it's all about so section one all about body is all about how kind of lou garrick kind of put himself and kept playing whether he was hurt or not and so i'm, I'm going through this and i'm going oh this is great so the wife wife loves baseball and your wife loves baseball yeah my wife not lou garrick's wife uh, I, I was gonna say it yeah. was unclear yeah <laughs> oh, and not your wife either i mean, I no, mean she might love baseball yeah. but yeah she does not <laughs> yeah yeah we're on the same page there there you go um, so i'm telling her about this and i'm like i really got i feel like i need to learn more about this guy this this is really cool and i keep saying you know lou lou i feel like i've never heard of this baseball player before lou lou and it's because i didn't pronounce his last name wrong when i was reading it right when mm -hmm. i originally read i'm reading I'm, re I'm like i did not so i keep i'm like i don't know who this guy is because uh -huh. i'm reading it and it wasn't until the wife is like you mean lou gehrig and i'm like oh <laughs> oh that guy <laughs> i know that baseball player like i thought i didn't know who this baseball player was oh <laughs> and, funny and i'm like oh yeah that guy Mm -hmm. Yeah, because mm -hmm. I didn't pronounce his last name wrong, and I don't particularly like baseball. So, uh -huh. just kind of a funny, funny antidote to this whole thing. But yes, the this chapter goes into just it really focuses on on Lou Gehrig and how he how he kind of you know made his own calls in baseball. Lou Gehrig played over 2000 games, like a consecutive games. He played um, through 17 different uh, broken bones in his hand, right? Being a professional baseball player, going up to bat, catching balls, throwing balls with 17 different breaks in his hand, which he went to the doctor exactly yes. zero times. Um, and which is I, just, which is crazy. Yeah. 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 Like, he didn't complain. He didn't complain. He was not a complainer, right? And the day that he finally stepped down from baseball, it it no, he didn't get pushed out. Uh, he didn't get an incredible book deal or anything like that. He <laughs> and just he also knew, made his choice. Yes, it was on his own terms, right? He knew that he was no longer that he knew that he had lost his step. And that he was no longer the best choice for the team. And he, you know, he went to his manager after uh, making actually a decent play on the field that he knew he could have done better. And he went to his manager and was like, you know what? You need to go ahead and put in my replacement. And that's what they did. Right. Yeah. So it, not only did he kind of show that toughness. Um, but also showed that that grace and that self-reflection that I think is really valuable. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, that leads me to kind of my uh, favorite part, I think most instructive part out of this part, out of this part, too many parts, right? <laughs> How out, many words did you... Out of this section, which is about seeking discomfort. That's how we hone the body. Um, in Stoic philosophy, there's a general idea that um, we need to be in control of the body. The body kind of generally, it sort of wants what it wants. It wants to eat, 
to excess. It wants to drink to excess. It wants to lay and be at rest warm under the covers, right? It, it doesn't want to get up. It doesn't want to do hard stuff. And for us to grow as human beings, we need to seek discomfort. And um, it, it talks about in the book uh, ways that we can do that, right? Running a marathon or running a 5K, sleeping on the ground on occasion, lifting heavy things, uh, doing manual labor, labor yourself, jumping into a cold lake. And it's just this idea that success breeds softness, you know, for so many of us that uh, live in the, the kind of modernized era, it's kind of easy to be like, Oh, I, even in my own neighborhood, I see this all the time that people don't mow their lawns. They have somebody else to do it. It's, it's going for a walk and they still won't do it. Uh, some of my neighbors, right. And, or doing the gardening or painting your house or, you know, stuff that you're just capable of doing. It might be hard. You might get some scars on your knuckles, but doing the hard work, kind of getting toughing, toughened up um, and establishing sort of dominion over the body is sort of what this is about. It's that when we can do the hard stuff with our body, it frees us to do the hard stuff with our mind and make real growth. So seeking discomfort on occasion. And he, uh, Ryan Holiday, even talks about how some of the, you know, more successful philosophers, even if they were rich, would occasionally stop uh, wearing nice clothes and stop eating nice things for a day or a few days or a week and just experience uh, what it was like to live on a meager existence, right? Bread and water only, uh, sleeping on the floor, dressed in rags, right? Not associating with the, the kind of richness that they had become accustomed to. Seeking discomfort as a way to grow stronger. So there's the, we're, we're, this is our first recording of the new year. Um, and it makes me think, so is the polar bear plunge about seeking discomfort so the rest of your year is easier? You know, maybe. And the reason, yeah. hear, the, the reason you hear that hesitation is that it, strictly speaking, jumping into a, a cold lake or whatever, that seeking discomfort, that, that isolated event, I would agree is. So if that's why you're doing it to push yourself in that way, then that's great. If the reason you're doing it is to get more followers on Instagram, then it's not. <laughs> right? So there's uh, a fair there's uh, a, I, I'll carry that. Right. So it's all, it does it make you so what you're saying does it make you uncomfortable or not? If you if you jump in the water and it's not making you uncomfortable, then it's not it's not seeking discomfort. Exactly. Right? So I think if you're doing it it if you I don't want to put too much on it, but I would say that, you know, uh, this was a couple of years ago, I went for a hike with my family up to this mountain lake, and it was just the, the clearest, most beautiful, most freaking icy cold water you could ever hope to accomplish. And I was just like, I'm going to jump in. 
and my my wife and daughters thought I was crazy yeah, um, they're but right but they're, they're not wrong um it, but it was a beautiful day like I know my body um we we didn't take pictures I wasn't doing it to show off um yeah. the polar bear plunge which for those of you I, I feel like it's somewhat obvious but you're jumping into a really cold uh or icy uh, water in order to uh, kind of reinvigorate yourself yeah. for the new year. And I'm not trying to to downplay that. That is definitely an exercise in discomfort. But I also feel like thinking carefully and being reflective about what are your reasons for doing this. There's also a difference between jumping in a river or lake one time in a quasi publicity stunt and seeking discomfort as a regular part of your weekly or monthly routine, right? And I would argue that seeking discomfort for uh, a few minutes every week is probably more valuable than this kind of super um, publicized kind of event where you're seeking discomfort for one moment. It's kind of like... Um, uh, a marriage or dating, right? Like <laughs> it's, it's not comfortable. <laughs> well, uh, let me get there though. But okay. So with a marriage or dating, if, if the, if the main way that a person showed love to their partner was once a year at the beginning of the year, they bought them a big gift. That's not nothing but that's not as valuable as the little kindnesses that that two people in a good solid long lasting marriage give each other right making dinner when it's not your turn doing the dishes when you're not asked pouring somebody a glass of wine when they're coming home late from work like all of those little things the little efforts that you put forward that's what grows the relationship into something that's really solid the way this relates here back to seeking discomfort is that i would argue rather than one big event where you're seeking discomfort at the beginning of the year, it might be more powerful to promote incremental growth over time to simply have seeking discomfort be part of your daily or weekly routine, right? Fasting, lifting, jogging, doing something for someone else when you wanted to sit on your butt and play video games, right? Like those having are the that, type- Having that conversation. Yes, having that i mean if you think about when you first got into the classroom and started teaching you can't tell me that you weren't nervous your first day when you're teaching mm -hmm. i was part totally of the class you were nervous and that's and that's seeking discomfort right that's where the growth happens right that's, on the on the margin the growth that's where the growth happens having mm -hmm. that conversation with your with your family about something i mean i guess thanksgiving in a way can be seeking discomfort uh, it can be yes yeah and i and i think that's what really took me in, what takes me into my 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 call out for section one was was just showing up mm -hmm. right and i think part of seeking com discomfort is also just showing up mm -hmm. um you just you show up you show up and you do your best and yeah. your best, your best is your best is your best. And no one can and take that away from you. Right. 
but as long as you show up and do your best you're and you're going okay this is uncomfortable then eventually what your best was is no longer uncomfortable and then you have mm-hmm. to keep pushing and you have to keep seeking that that uncomfortable that that enemy of you know that enemy is stagnation that enemy is staying in one level right if you're always bowling with you know people that are beneath you i don't know why i chose bowling but that's what i chose it seems a little strange but that's where you are it's okay <laughs> yeah but if you're always bowling with the people that are beneath you then you're never you're never going to grow as a bowler yes right Again, I don't know why I chose bowling, uh, but you, you could have chosen been... weightlifting or sparring or wrestling <laughs> or making Excel spreadsheets, but you yeah. chose bowling. I chose bowling. Okay. okay. And I think about, I mean, the one that really sticks out to me as a leader is, is conversations. As a leader, mm-hmm. you need to have conversations and you need to give people feedback. And yes. if, and to be good at giving people feedback, you need to you need to show up you need to show up with good intentions right i'm i'm showing up with you pure of heart whatever you're showing (laughs) up with with good intentions to give this Mm -hmm. person feedback yeah there is a behavior that does not align with the organization with you know the team whatever but i'm showing up with good intentions to give them feedback and in the beginning, whether it's a new person you're giving feedback to, maybe it's comfort, whether it is, you know, a topic that you might not have addressed before, right? Maybe you're, you're confronting somebody drinking at work, Mm -hmm. right? Which is not a, which is not an easy thing to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even when you get good at it, it's still not an easy thing to do. There's still a level of discomfort, but just showing up and just being there for that moment. And we're going to, we're going to talk more about moments with um, you are here, which is a book. I don't even know what, what episode it's coming out on, but touch Nihon, I butchered that pretty bad, but um, you are here is, is, I'm kind of excited about, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because it's about, it's about being there for that moment and just showing up and being your best. Absolutely. So. And I also, I'm noticing that this idea of when I, when I talked about seeking discomfort, seeking those little discomforts, right. A little every day. Well, that's, that's what you're talking about also with just show up because on those days when it's the most uncomfortable for you to show up, that that's when you need to show up because everybody else is sitting down, right? When they feel a little out of it, but you're leaning into it and you're growing on those days. And if you can manage to make that happen consistently, doing your best, just showing up every day, that's how, if you're, if, particularly if you're seeking discomfort at the same time, that's how we grow, right? Having those hard conversations. I was, um, uh, you know, there's a, a, I used to watch video game streams all the time, right? And there was a, a, a streamer, Dr. Lupo, 
and uh, True Vanguard. And I was, I'd been watching True Vanguard and he was just like, you know, don't be afraid to go out there and lose and just focus on your game, right? If you're, if, you, if you're terrible at doing a particular kind of engagement, like, you know, jumping through the air and engaging an enemy or, or whatever it was in the video game that they were playing at the time, then that's what you should be working on if you hope to improve right? If you're an artist and you're not very good at showing three-dimensionality, work on your shading. Don't flinch away from that. Seek that discomfort of drawing some stuff that stinks so that you can get through that and get to stuff yeah. that really pops. So, yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. 100%. I feel like we're moving on to section two, the interdomain. Yeah, yeah, the inner domain. This one's all about, uh, you know, the whole book is about discipline. The whole book is about temperance, right? One of the four virtues. Um, this one specifically uh, applies to like our our mental, our emotional uh, temperance, right? Whereas section one was really more about uh, how do we kind of take control and exercise some discipline over our bodies? What are the ways that we do that? Um, I, I highlighted a section here that I think was especially pertinent about kind of how wide ranging temperance actually is. Um, it's on page 105 of the book, if you're playing the home game. Um, it says here that temperance is also the ability to adjust, to make good of any situation, to find the opportunity to grow and improve in any situation, and be able to do this with equanimity and poise, even initiative and joy, because what other choice do we have, right? A big tenet of Stoic philosophy, for those of you that are not familiar, is that there is so much that we don't have control over, but we do have control over our response. We do have control over how we react to situations. So stopping, taking that moment to really carefully consider our response before we move on. And that it even talks about that later on in the section as well, taking that moment um, and really thinking about what is this situation asking of me? Because it's not always the same thing that you were asked to produce last time, right? So being calm, being patient, um, and being flexible. People uh, commonly associate uh, temperance with tempering, you know, where they like <laughs> heat up the sword and they quench it and they're like making the blade super hard. But uh, ask any blacksmith about what happens if, you're, if you've tempered a blade incorrectly and made it too hard it gets brittle and it will break at the first strike. It will shatter and your weapon will be useless. Temperance is nothing without a certain degree of flexibility. So I appreciate yeah. that in this section, it's deliberately called out that temperance does not mean a hardening. There is a time to be hard. Don't get me wrong, right? But temperance is also about being emotionally and mentally flexible to bend and adapt to the situation that you're in and make the best of it because frequently we don't have control over that stuff but we do have control over our reaction and what we're going to get out of the situation well it's also so if if you kind of take that 
if you're unflexible and you take a a ta- like something that you're passionate about mm-hmm. and someone gives you an opposing view sure and you're unflexible about it you're going to argue against them you're not going right? to learn you're not going to learn you're going to you're going to you're going to stand there solid i'm i'm not going to bend on this right mm-hmm. but if you show that flexibility you're going to stay in curiosity and you're going to learn why you know why do you believe that to be true why you know why is this important to you whatever that is you're going to have that that conversation and you may be able to sway that person to your line of thinking they may be able to sway you depending on the topic right mm-hmm. but you're you're Either way, you're going to learn something by showing that flexibility. I'm so glad that you talked about that. You know, part one that that we talked about seeking discomfort and showing up the the body, right? Discipline over the body. Uh, We talked all about Lou Gehrig and how he played through the pain and had this great streak. But section two, kind of the, the, the model, the patron saint of temperance is Queen Elizabeth. And she, Queen Elizabeth II, she does, the book calls out that she does exactly what you were just proposing. The queen, I learned through reading this book, has a really unique place in in British society. Um, And she doesn't tell, she's got all this power and yet doesn't tell people what to do. When, when confronted with a, a head of state or even members of her own parliament, prime ministers that she disagrees with, she asks questions, right? Gentle, prodding, staying in curiosity, even if she disagrees with them or if she wants to sway them, she doesn't do it by thunder and bluster. She does it through gentle questioning to either lead the person where she wants them to be or to get more information so that she might better understand their position. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, I think we'll talk a little bit more about the queen when we get to section three, but the queen is one of the, the queen is one of the, uh, the big people in this book. And yeah, you're right. I, I feel like I learned a lot about the queen and her role in kind of what, battles she fought and what she was Mm -hmm. up against Mm -hmm. so yeah so section two for me um so a battle against pleasure so i uh i think everybody knows this dylan and i met in restaurants yep we bonded we bonded over food we we bonded over we bonded we bonded over that and and really section two the the battle against pleasure what really what really stuck out there for me is how i just kind of give into the pleasure of food Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know like i'll be he could have just eaten dinner i'll be walking along oh food truck i want to eat it that that looks good Mm -hmm. right yeah and i i think i think having an awareness of it is important and knowing yeah. it's time and place, but also giving control and boundaries over it. So, yes. Yeah. Temperance. So, 
right? Temperance. <laughs> so the, the wife and I are, are doing dry January. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, Congratulations. You yeah. know, that's that's kind of part of that that battle against pleasure, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like I see on social media all these these jokes about, oh, we're gonna do a damp January. Right? <laughs> Which means I'll have like a glass of wine a night. Uh-huh. Right. And then they show someone pour a whole bottle into a, a one glass. <laughs> like a giant, one of those giant yeah. wine glasses. It's just yeah. one glass of wine. But <laughs> you know, it's that it's that whole thing about not letting pleasure control you and having that mm. self-discipline against pleasure. And so being able to put that boundary up and saying, hey, I'm not going to drink. Mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie, there is times it's hard having a having a toddler and wanting a cocktail at the end of the night <laughs> sounds yeah. very relaxing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just finding those different ways to relax. So it could be reading a book, mm-hmm. it could be, you know, rat watching trashy TV, mm-hmm. it could be working out, um, you know, whatever that is, but that battle against pleasure. I mean, I feel like a very intimate relationship with food and that I'll be eating dinner and talking about cooking another dinner. Hey, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I'm enjoying this, but <laughs> let's go and, and eat. And we, and you and I have had, you know, mm-hmm. our fair share of, you know, either food competitions or mm-hmm. indulging in food. And, you know, they don't just talk about, uh food in this they 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 talk about they talk about drinking they talk about sex they talk Mm -hmm. about debauchery they talk about they talk about drugs they talk about drugs sometimes all of them mixed together yeah sometimes all of them mixed together and it was um was it king it was king henry it was one of the kings Mm -hmm. maybe it wasn't king henry uh but it was one of the kings and he got to this huge size because he just kept indulging yeah he just kept going down that route of of self-indulgence and they they talked about babe ruth in this section oh, too ba- who oh yeah babe ruth was brought up in this section kind of the other side of lou gehrig's coin so to speak yeah. in terms of <laughs> the all this amount of money that he mm-hmm. blew through how all babe this ruth tremendous go... go ahead how babe ruth would go and at the beginning of the season ask his teammates for a loan he had to borrow money. Isn't that a trip? And then but, uh, the season would come along and then he would buy all these things. Yeah. And by the next season, he was broke. Yeah. And, and one of the things I like, and I think they went to back to section one, but they talk about Lou Gehrig um, mm-hmm. and the, uh, the, was it the pitching coach? One of the coaches saw that he was drinking. Yeah, he was drinking a little during the game. And he had the, the yips. He had he the in, yips. He was he using was it to manage pain. anxiety. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I feel like that's kind of what the battle against pleasure is. is there, if you're using these things to manage anxiety, you're mm-hmm. not showing up. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You're not seeking discomfort. You're avoiding discomfort. Yes. You're flinching. Right. right? Yeah. So having that, that ability to recognize, and it's still indulge, indulge in some pleasure, right? 
yeah i'm not this... saying go out and do hard drugs because that's the pleasure you should indulge in but well yeah no uh moder- <laughs> yeah. moderation in all things even moderation right yeah. like this yeah. this chapter is not saying you know perpetually deprive yourself of food and nice things i i think yeah. that it's uh, particularly with the battle against pleasure and stuff even the the philosophers that are really important in stoic philosophy in this particular arena um they their periods of deprivation were not indefinite it's it was also an exercise for them and perhaps for us in the western world to understand that you know wow, gee, walking for a a half hour or 40 minutes is hard for us, right? But there are people, there are kids who in other places in the world just to get to school, that's what they have to do twice a day, every dang day, right? So, or, um, you know, oh, I want to drink soda, but soda is not available, or I'm going without soda, or I'm having a dry January. Well, there are plenty of people in the rest of the world for whom this is not even an option. It's water or nothing, and they'd be lucky if it's actually clean water, right? Or, you know, you can say the same about clothes, you can say the same about sleeping arrangement, you can say about all of those things. I think back to, you know, point one, Uh, back in section one about seeking discomfort. Sometimes the discomfort that is the best fit for us is a little bit of deprivation, right? Fasting, whatever that may look like for you, fasting from whatever your pleasures are for a little while in order to build character. Exactly. Speaking of character building, I hear that it's time for a dad joke. Oh, I, I've got a, I got a good one. I got a, I got a one. I got one that's right up your alley. Oh, I love the sound of that. All right, lay it on me. Okay, Dylan. Yeah. Did Did you know that you can't run through a campground? You can only ran because it's past tense. Oh, you're doing a <laughs> literary joke. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm I'm clapping for you. That that yeah. wonderful. What, bravo. A plus. A double plus. A double plus. I I recommend that you tell that to your your kids. Yes. Uh, both your 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 daughters and your students. But yes. Well, this speaking of my my dad joke is definitely related to my daughters. We uh we frequently communicate by goat noises in my house. I don't know if you knew this about me. Um, I did uh, with, not. I'm learning with my something. daughters, yes, with my daughters specifically. Um, and so uh, I, I will often make goat related uh, noises or jokes or both. Uh, but my 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 joke is goat related. Uh, hey, Jason, what is a goat's favorite breakfast? What is a goat's favorite breakfast? Goat meal. <laughs> that is so <laughs> the the goat puns are never ending under oh, this roof oh that is so dumb <laughs> i absolutely love it of course yeah. that's the point yeah yes yeah so to all our listeners out there um if you laughed at this joke please dm us on instagram at two dudes who review books or you could also 
send us your own jokes and we will give you credit for them. Um, but yeah, also, if uh, you didn't laugh because you think we need better jokes, you should still DM us with better jokes. That, that would be okay. <laughs> <DM us> better. <laughs> yes, I feel like we've yeah. covered everybody. Like, if you laughed or if you didn't laugh, yeah, you can help us out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you felt part of the community. Felt indifference about it. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, or if you're a goat um, and you think this joke is insulting to goat kind, <laughs> we'd love to hear from you. If you think you just, we need to cut this section. You're entitled to your opinion, but you're wrong. We're gonna yeah. Dylan, take us into the last section. Take us into section three. Yes, absolutely. Look, section three. So when Jason, when you and I were talking about this book earlier on, this book is a little bit longer than uh, some of Ryan Holiday's other books. And in my opinion, it does make it a little bit more difficult to digest. That's just my opinion. You should read it. And it, to my listeners, you should read it and develop your own opinion. But I will say is that the relatively speaking, I felt like the first two sections were just a little uh, easier or interesting to wrap our heads around. And I was trying to think about why this is the case. Chapter one is all about the body, uh, gaining discipline over the body. Chapter two is really about your mind, uh, gaining discipline over the mind and what habits or thoughts might promote that. Chapter three is kind of framed as discipline over the soul. And it, whereas in chapter one, we had Lou Gehrig as kind of our model for that. Chapter two, we had the queen as sort of our model for discipline over the mind. Chapter three is a little more diffuse in terms of looking at a, a, a wider variety. And so as much it's not, I didn't feel like it was as focused on one person, which is both a strength and also I think makes the section a little more difficult to read. Section three is really about once we have power, what does self-discipline when we have power look like? And I think that this is germane because if we have self-discipline over our bodies and we get our body in check, in shape, under control, and then our minds, we, we can work ourselves up to a position just in the world where we do have power. What does it mean to have temperance over power, right? Body, everybody's got a power. An intellectual and mental life, everybody has that. Not everybody has the kind of power that requires that sort of control. Uh, with that said, though, everybody has power over something or someone. And how do we treat that with respect and be good leaders? Um, my main takeaway from this one was being tolerant with others and strict with yourself. Um, and I think that this is especially important for leaders. He does a great job calling out a lot of leaders uh, like uh, General Colin Powell, who slept in a, a cot in his office, but didn't tell anyone, right? He didn't want his uh, the people who worked for him to feel like they had to live up to what he knew was an exceedingly high bar. So he held himself to a very high standard and he let other people do what they were going to do, right? And accepted that they are also living, breathing human individuals that are doing their best and trying to grow 
as well. Um, in my own work life, I'm sometimes consulted uh, to help uh, kind of other teachers sort of grow and develop and become better. And somebody had asked me, you know, what they should do. There were some people that they could provide some advice to. And after sitting for a long time and kind of listening to what was going on, my main piece of advice was to that we don't have to do anything these the problems that were being brought were not things that were like earth earth shattering or like huge safety concerns and my main piece of advice was that sometimes we we just have to do our best and be supportive and lead by example and acknowledge that other people are doing the best they can with what they have and we should just let them continue to work that way so being tolerant with others and strict with yourself, I think, is a great lesson for uh, leaders and co-workers and anybody that has to work with other human beings. Well, and I also think that, you know, it's, it's selfish to, to say that, you know, oh, I'm sleeping on a cot. Mm -hmm. right? That's, yeah. that goes back to, to ego as enemy, right? That's ego right? speaking. Absolutely. Right? I, I'm sleeping on a cot, right? doesn't okay you're sleeping on a cot fine right you're you're doing that to give credit to yourself mm -hmm. so colin powell saying nothing that's self-discipline yeah right i'm gonna sleep on this cot this is the standards i'm gonna hold myself to right mm -hmm. and yeah being being tolerant of others others are gonna make mistakes right they mm -hmm. they have their own agendas and they have you know they they're hey i want to do this and i feel like i've always kind of i don't i've always said this i uh but we all have our our own missions right and i i think i refer to it as a shadow mission so if your company or your boss has this mission mm -hmm. right that's that's their mission but you also have to know the people you lead are going to have their own missions okay it, yeah it could be that my mission is to gain knowledge here to be a leader somewhere else mm -hmm. my mission could be my mission could be i want to spend more time at home with my family mm -hmm. right and you kind of have to understand those missions of other people yeah and what they want if you want someone to take your job is that really what they want like is that their career path is that where they want to go with their life yeah, or worth no. kind of the classic question of uh, the classic conundrum of the dad that wants the son to take over the business sort yeah. of thing when that's not when, when the yeah. son just wants to dance, right? Or, or whatever yeah. it is that the son wants to do that's not related. But being is that a footloose reference, did you, did you make a footloose it, reference there? I just want to dance. Is that possibly? I don't remember where that one came from. It could be footloose, though. I'm willing to acknowledge that. But it's back to this idea that for us, being a good leader is not about mercilessly driving your people to higher and higher feats. Yeah. It's about mercilessly driving yourself, yeah. right? And pushing yourself to be better. And the good news is that as you press yourself to be better, you you will naturally pull people along in your wake and acknowledging that your the 
I, what I was going to say was that the picture you have of their future doesn't need to play a role, but I would even go farther to say that you shouldn't be painting a picture of their future at all. If you let yeah, people exactly. write their, you should be letting people write their own destiny and they will do more for you if you're supportive of that than any yeah. idea that you might have had for them yeah. uh, that you could have concocted, no matter how good you think it might be for them. Well, and they also won't be able to live up to your expectation if you go and say, this is what I want for them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I don't want that for myself. Right. And yeah. if you don't have that, if you don't find, seek that discomfort and have that conversation, mm-hmm. right, then what's going to happen is you're just going to be mad You'd be like, damn it, Todd, you know, this is what I want for you. It's like, well, that sucks because that's not what I wanted for myself. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that that takes me to section three, the power of giving, the power of giving power away, mm-hmm. right? Um, part of this goes back to Queen Elizabeth, not that she gave away power, but she asked questions. Right. And it's something I've always kind of looked at as a leader. And I actually, again, I can't say always, uh, in the beginning, I feel like I tried to hoard power. I'm going to be a better, I'm going to be a more sought after leader if I have all the power. Sure. Yeah. And that's, that's not a, that's very much so not a true statement. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a, to me, it's now about empowering the people around me. And there's something that comes into play here. If, if they want the power or not, there are certain times that it's, you know, depending on the power that you're giving away, is that something that someone truly wants to do? If someone mm-hmm. truly wants your job, right. Empowering them to learn your job is awesome. It's easy to mm-hmm. do, but if they don't want their job and you're giving them power, they don't really want. Ultimately they'll just hang themselves. Sure. Right. So giving that power away and just asking questions. Um, and so I have, I got all my books that I'm reading, right? So mm-hmm. I'm reading my books on, on the Kindle, right? Um, but because I'm a book nerd, I'm also listening to books too. Uh, uh, so there's a book uh, called Turn the Ship Around. Uh, I heard about it through a, a lean manufacturing class I was in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's by Lieutenant David Marquette. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is a submarine commander, mm. which I've probably just downplayed. He's a submarine lieutenant, or he's he was a he was on a submarine and in charge of a submarine. And where he really got to with his staff, and I'm early on in this book, so I can't speak to it that well, but people were coming up to the lieutenant saying, I intend to do this. I intend to take the ship down to this depth. And then he would ask some questions. And then it kind of sounds like he would just ask questions and then stop. He wouldn't tell them yes or no. Right? Okay. And mm-hmm. for someone, someone in the Navy, you being a, a Navy boy and all. Uh, right? I'm somewhat of an example here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can, you can tell that, Hey, that's, that's not how the Navy really operates. His, no, not usually. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. And he talks in the book in the very beginning, he talks about kind of throwing out what he learned because 
you know, the Navy book was like, yeah, this is how you do things. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, I want to empower my team. And so to empower the team is, you know, you're asking questions. Yes. You know, have you thought about, have you thought about the safety of this? Have you thought about the safety of that? Mm -hmm. And um, that, that was really something that was, was big in this overall in this book for me about, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in showing up, you're showing up to have a conversation and you're showing up to, to talk. And Mm -hmm. there's a, there's a distribution of, can be a distribution of power when you're talking to somebody, right? Mm -hmm. Right. You can go and, you know, you can, in a questioning way, you can get to, if you're talking about attendance or something like that, or Mm -hmm. if you're talking about, even with a kid, you're talking about, Hey, you know, this is why we don't, we don't hit. Right. Right. There's yeah. a there's there's a way to empower and, and create self discipline through questioning, versus we just don't hit. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad that you brought it back to the classroom because during this time I've really been thinking about like the in education we talk about classroom management and the short story of that is is there order and discipline in your classroom right? But that also what what a lot of, I'll say particularly new teachers really need a lot of work to understand is that we actually gain a lot of order and discipline when we give away um, a lot of that power, right? When we empower kids to make their own guidelines. At the beginning of every year, uh, I empower, I don't create people think that I'm like this super structured military guy and, and by and large I am, but when it comes to like making guidelines, I don't have like a 10 commandments of being in this classroom, right? The, the, I allow the students to effectively, we don't call them commandments, we call them guidelines, but the students make those guidelines and they create examples and non-examples of what this looks like and sounds like. And they are significantly more likely to hold up to and to be models of those guidelines than if I had created some arbitrary list of here are Mr. D's military classroom rules, right? So um, by flattening the pyramid, by giving power away, I actually gain um, a lot more students who are just on board they're on board because engagement yeah these are the expectations that their peers and they themselves generated not something that mr d handed down from on high and like you were saying the same is true when i'm having a conversation about a student who hasn't met those expectations then instead of we don't do that because it's wrong it becomes more of a conversation of you know, did you consider the other person's perspective? Did you think about another way of handling this? Did you think about telling an adult or a peer that you were having a problem? And coming at it again, back to uh, a thread that you've woven in uh, masterfully to this whole piece is coming at it from a place of curiosity, as opposed to uh, a place of authority and power. And you must do it because I said you should do it. Really focusing more on coming at it from curiosity is going to, everybody will feel better. And ultimately over the long term, you'll get more progress 
uh, for both yourself and from whoever your reports may be. And, and I think the thing to note in giving power away is you have to be comfortable with they're going to approach something differently. So if you yes. give them a task and say, hey, this is what I want to accomplish, they're going to do it differently than what you would have done it. And you have to Definitely. be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So wrapping up this book, I, I feel like we've talked a lot about this book and at the same time, not talked about it enough. You know, uh, we said at the beginning that we would really, this is a tip of the iceberg kind of yes. situation. Every, every time we have talked about one section that stood out to you or me, uh, I, I've been like, I got my fingers under the table where it's been like, oh, I could talk. Oh, I could talk yeah. about this. Oh, I could talk. But that reminds me. And I've just, yeah. silence is strength. Uh, which is another part of this book. But anyway, um, yeah, so bringing it back around, how, dude, how did this bring you closer to emotional intelligence or to just being a, a better person? I, I, this, I mean, the book's about self-discipline. Um, yeah. But I, there's a common focus that it brought here. Um, and there was a quote that I was trying to, to dig up in all of my all of my things, but, you know, it really comes down to, to, to paraphrase this quote that I'll bastardize, uh, you know, without self-discipline, mm -hmm. right. Your, your goals and just kind of, they kind of float away. And so by creating this self-discipline, it really helps you stay focused towards your goals and mm -hmm. it gives you almost a rule set to go by that helps mm -hmm. feed into the calm. Sure. So I, I, I really feel like this common focus brought me closer to, to emotional intelligence here through this book. What mm -hmm. about yourself? Well, th there is, of course, a ton here. And I had a lot of really powerful takeaways as I was reading this book. This, the stuff that stuck out the best for me was a, an affirmation, a reminder that ab about focusing on the self as opposed to being focused on others, right? Uh, I am prepared from Cato the Elder. I am prepared to forgive everybody's mistakes except for my own. From Ben Franklin, search others for their virtues search yourself, search thyself for thy vices, right? Uh, be a strong and inspiring example and let that be enough. We did just right? show me up and have like quotes like in the hip for that. Well, now, I, I will say that if you are not self-disciplined, you can't help others. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, or, or at least uh, it ends up coming across as, uh, power grabby kind of yeah. at best or hypocritical yeah. um sort of at worst right and you, you there's plenty of he gives plenty of non-examples that we did not even crack yeah. uh, in this podcast yeah. so uh ways yeah. that these things went wrong for people yeah. so where where do you feel that you're going to apply some of what you learned um, uh, particularly the, the reminder that some of this, uh, are things that I'm doing 
uh, already in work, which was good, you know, back to the trying to not overplay my hand and give people a bunch of advice when really just focusing on me being good at what I do. But I also realized as I was reading through this, that I'm, I'm probably trying to take on too much at work. And this is something that we've talked about in previous conversations, but I tend to have a hard time saying no. And this saying no is, is a piece of discipline, right? Being able to be focused on your main thing takes discipline, getting caught up in all these other work initiatives and extracurriculars and stuff like that saying yes to everything, it, sadly, is actually a lack of discipline. Yeah. Uh, whereas the ability to say, mm, this is not helping me with my main thing, it's not helping me with, this might be important to me or interesting, um, or maybe I want to impress the person that's asking, maybe I don't want to disappoint the person yeah. that's asking. Um, but sometimes saying no is a tremendous act of discipline and it helps us get better at whatever our main thing is. And so that is kind of how I can apply some of this is thinking yeah. about using that heuristic, like, does this help me do my main thing? Yeah. Well, and it's also letting other people's problems become your problem. Right. Sure. When you yeah. say yes. Yeah. 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 We're sure. both, we're both problem solvers. We're both we are. the person we're, we want to be heroes and we want to jump in and, you know, uh, recovering rescuers. I've mm -hmm. put it for myself. White knight um, syndrome, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. So by going and, you know, making other people's problems, your problems really kind of falls into that. Yeah. That saying no. It um, distracts you from your main thing. Yeah. So, so for me, it was, it's back to section two and it, this goes, this speaks to, Queen Elizabeth um, a lot and it where it spoke to me was something that I struggled with in the very beginning of coaching and now I'm trying to hone and it's I'm a talker and not only a talker I'm an advice giver mm -hmm. and um, advice advice is a trap yeah it um, is it, it advice is, is very much so a trap so the silence is strength is really spoken to me mm -hmm. knowing, mm -hmm. knowing when to speak and what to speak about is kind of that, that discipline that I'm trying to hone myself in 2023. So wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really, this, this book will be, this book is great for, for people who are looking for self-discipline for leaders, for, for parents who are looking to, to create a little discipline in, in their lives and help create some structure for maybe, maybe a toddler. Right. Um, I so. think that on the parenting front where this one kind of comes in, it's, uh, are you making the decision to be on your phone in front of your kids? Right. What are you teaching them when you do that? Or yeah. can you accept a little bit of a phone fasting, right. And be, uncomfortable right if if having your phone in your hand and always having your eyes on it if that's your habit put it away well, yeah Engage are you are kids. you showing up at that point in time mm -hmm. when you talk about just showing up if you got home from a long day and your 
kids playing and wants to have a dance party and you're like, I'm tired. I just want to go and, and zone out on my phone. Uh, uh, yeah. So how about a little discipline, discipline right? Yeah. What would that look how like? About, and where I, where I catch myself is every time I think the words I deserve that is like that is a personal red flag for me no. right and that doesn't mean that i automatically shut down whatever that is but that is like okay if i'm thinking this i better take a real hard look at what that is i deserve a rest do i though do yeah. i i deserve a drink really there are plenty yeah. of people who don't have this as an option you work harder than them i doubt it no. right so being well, and I, I want goes into that too oh yeah yeah there's mm -hmm. the i deserves i want yeah there's a lot there's a there's a lot there and there's a lot we haven't unpacked if you want to unpack this go ahead and grab yourself a copy of ryan holiday's <laughs> discipline is destiny the power of self-control or honestly any of ryan holiday's books it will help you be a better person exactly and and mm -hmm. i you know i was as i was looking at our our shout out who i want to shout out to um you know i i, I really want to shout out to to ryan holiday for making all this material digestible and relatable for sure yeah um, and and shout out to all the people out there that are are showing self-discipline and showing this control um because it's it's not easy and I, I, you know, I find myself asking, am I on the right path? Mm -hmm. Right. I feel like I am, but shout out to those people who are staying true to it and, you know, going through these, these motions of discipline. It's not easy. Yes. And, and I second that making this wisdom, the wisdom of the ancients and of our historical contemporaries accessible so that we can learn from them. I, I think that's stellar work in the public good. And I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Well, keep, keep reading everybody. Keep, send us your jokes again at two dudes who review books. We are on the Instagram. We're also on Facebook under the same name. So yeah, reach out to us. Um, give us a shout out and say, Hey, you know, this is a joke. And, and we'll go from there yeah so absolutely thanks very much dude yeah bye my dude have a good one <laughs>